All right, welcome to a, another week of Gaming Historia and the rotating cast of characters that are taking up this show right now. And before we get too much into the show, season one is ending at the end of this month. Um, so the the end of June, we'll be taking July off. We're going to play some of our best stuff shows. We have a few shows that may pop up in, the, in, in July and then in August, everything will go live again season two episode one starting fresh with all of our different shows so um okay so with that said uh it'll be a more stable cast you'll you'll have the same voices most weeks with you know the occasional thing popping in here and there just somebody different here and there but we should be set with a pretty static cast on each one of the shows with multiple new, sh- uh, sh- oh my god, let me restart that one. With multiple new shows that we've previewed that are going to launch at that time, uh, Chris and Andy's or Andy and Chris's excellent adventure. We should be stacked with uh, Chris and Chloe, um, or Chloe and Chris, and uh, Search of the Story. Of course, will be back. Gaming Historia will be back. Um, Besieged will be in full swing, and I may even guest star on there because once we start showing all our YouTube stuff, because we do have a YouTube channel up now with our first YouTube video on there, and you will see that I went from a scrub to to the Rainbow Six Jesus on there. So I may jump in occasionally um, on that show just to talk about somebody who's kind of new to it. Um, and then we have a couple other shows that we're talking about that, that may make it in time for August. And so... If things slow down through July, don't freak out. Watch the World Cup. Enjoy your FIFA with the new patch and all that stuff. I got it in this time. And get ready for a big relaunch in August. We, we're hoping to get you a show a day. And we would actually like your feedback. I, I actually asked on Reddit if I should do a feed that has all of our shows. So if you just want to listen to all our shows, you can subscribe to one feed. Or if I should keep them all separate. Or if I should do both. So let us know what you think. Just email us, contact at GamingHistoria.com. Or on the website, GamingHistoria.com. Just go to one of the shows and leave a comment on it. Or hit us up at Twitter, Gaming underscore Historia. Uh, however you want to contact us. Let us know, would you prefer that I put it all on one feed? So whenever you open up your phone, you're getting ready to go out and take a road trip or go drive around for the summer or whatever. You just have all of our shows in one place or do you want us to keep it exclusively separate? And that's all up to you. So with that said, this week, Mr. Hepburn has joined us again. So it'll be Chris and Chris doing Gaming Story this week. Colby, unfortunately, has had some computer issues and so we do not know when he will be recovered. I think his computer's in the hospital right now. But once that's up and going, he'll be back as well. Um, but today, we're going to talk about two trading card games. Um, I, don't, I don't even know if they're trading card games at this point. They're two card games uh, that are digital that I personally believe are going to be the two that really appeal to the people who grew up playing Magic and Pokemon and stuff like that. <coughs> Hearthstone staying out of the picture. Um because that appeals to a very different audience. We're not going to talk too much about uh, uh, what is the the um, 
I just went blank on it. The the Elder Scrolls Legends. We're not going to talk about that one too much because that fills a little bit of different space. There's there's plenty of other card games. The Pokemon card game. We're not going to talk about too much because again, even though it's kind of similar, the two that we're going to talk about, I think are going to compete for your attention. And I have a feeling that one's going to be better than another. So I'll I'll have those two gain. I'll, I'll name those two real quick and then have Chris talk for a minute or two because I've dominated the first five minutes of this. Um, so we're going to be talking Magic the Gathering Arena, not Magic the Gathering Online, because we're not going to talk about that. That's 15-year-old software that's had almost nothing done to it. It still feels like 15-year-old software. So Magic the Gathering Arena is, if you don't know, it's the new updated Magic. It's not a replacement for Magic the Gathering Online. It's it's more of the competitor with these other uh, digital card games that are coming out. And then the other one is Eternal. Uh, trading card game or Eternal. This is what it's called. And the reason we're talking about the two is they are very, very similar in how they play. They're both going to appeal to Magic players in different ways. And we are going to discuss the strengths weaknesses where they're both going because they're both pretty early in their life cycles and we're gonna go from there so i'm gonna shove my mouth to take a drink of water while you jump in burn so hello everyone i have returned yet again all right so yeah i've been a magic player for about eight years i've never really been competitive with it i've always been a casual player and i've just started getting into eternal today and what I can say is that they are very similar. And since they're both on the computer, one takes better advantage over the fact that it's a digital game, that being Eternal. Um, Magic Arena is more of a casual game compared to Magic Online, which is probably more for the tournament player because you can't really earn cards for free in Magic Online, but in Magic Arena you can. And it's in a beta stage right now, which people can sign up for. But uh, it will be hitting market sometime in, in the near future. Right. And I, I think that eventually we'll get to the point to where Magic Arena can be used in tournaments. It's it's a much more appealing interface to watch from a streaming perspective. Even for just playing, like, I try to get into Magic Online. I paid the $10 for it and then realized I had to rebuy all my cards. Yeah, it's a mess. And I've already, like... I was I was still in high school at this point, and I had been playing for like three years. And I said, I, I can't go buy all my cards again. I'm just a fucking high school student. I don't even work full-time. I don't even have a part-time job. Right. Uh, th- th- this is just too expensive. I'm not going to go and rebuy all my cards, no matter how cheap they are. And uh, So I uninstalled it and never went and, back. And that's one of the things that... I know we're not going to talk about Pokemon, but that's one of the things Pokemon did right. Is whenever, for I don't know if they're still doing it, but for a long time... If you bought a pack of physical Pokemon cards, you you got a pack in the online game as well, which they have tested in New Zealand or Australia. Um, I'm not sure which one, but they tested that with Magic Arena. And so I imagine that's going to happen. That if you go buy a box of Return to Dominaria, Return to Ravnica, Return to Mirrodin, or wherever they're going to return to, because I guess we're out of places to go to... Um, You'll also get a pack in the game for each one of the packs that you open. That I think it's going to get to that point eventually, which which will give it a, a nice... That's a good feeling. 
it's it's nice to open a pack and then know you get to go open your second pack on the digital version as well and the cards can be completely different and so first before we get into anything let's let's talk about the differences in magic and eternal um hold on before you okay. do that I just want to confirm something you told me before. Eternal is made by old magic designers, correct? By magic players. So, Louis, uh, okay. I think it's LSV and Patrick Chaplin. Um, I'm going to double check that. Uh, All right. I, I'm just bringing this up because for listeners that don't know, Eternal is a love child of magic players and what they think could make the game better yeah so 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 patrick chapin who is a big time magic player he's he's a big tournament player been playing it forever um he's one of the guys i think lsv uh louis scott vargas let's see let me just look at the names on the eternal design team that way i can tell you how many magic people are in there, so it's Patrick Chapin. Um, let's see, I'm almost positive. Well, actually, you know what? Let me just jump on the Eternal Discord, and I can tell you. Let's see, Patrick Chapin, LSV is on there a lot. I, I don't know what his involvement is at this point in the game, but I know that Louis Scott Vargas, who You've seen him everywhere. Is a big shot and has been has been attached to Eternal a lot. Um, and then there's there's a couple other people. Most of them most of them have a history with Magic, but Patrick Chapin and LSV are the two names that immediately popped out and made me take notice of Eternal in the first place. And Eternal is is Magic the Gathering done. Made by people who have played Magic for a long time, are tired of certain things, and wanted to change some stuff up. And <clears throat> so, if if you've never played either one of these card games, let's first explain just what these type of card games are. So, you have trading card games, which Magic the Gathering, Pokemon, things like that fit into, which are cardboard primarily that have a digital outlet as well. But they're trading card games because whenever you open a pack... You open up Jace Bellerin, and what you really needed for your deck was, you know, I don't know, a, a couple Garricks or whatever. So you would you would work out a trade, and that's where the trading card game came from. And now that we're in a digital age, Magic Arena and Eternal do not have a trading system at all. So they're now just card games. So if I say trading card games... They're not really anymore. They're more just straight-up card games because you earn the cards through the game. You can't trade with people. You can't sell them online. Hex is another thing that we're not going to talk about Hex because that's a whole can of worms that I want to get into at some point talk about the legal issues and all the things that went around that because Hex is very much Magic the Gathering with the trading system. And it's a, it, there's not enough of a difference in Hex and Magic that that it's fun to jump from one to the other. Whereas Eternal and Magic have enough differences that they feel very, very different. Um, So, the idea of the game is that generally you have 
Well, not generally. In Magic, you have 20 life to start. In Hex, you have... God, I never look at it. 30? Um, you know, as positive as 30 life that you start off with. Uh, 25 or 30. I've been playing it forever. I never look at my starting life because I don't play decks that worry about your life total. Um, but either way, you, you have your, your health points, and the whole idea is to do one of two things. To either make your opponent run out of cards in their deck or their library, or to use creatures and spells and destroy their health to the point to where they're zero or negatives. Um, magic is very fantasy based with angels and dinosaurs and pirates and zombies and knights and skeletons and liches and wizards and all these different things. Eternal has Valkyries, but they're kind of these almost mechanically enhanced Valkyries. Um, for the most part, they have uh, gunslingers, which are basically cowboys um bounty hunters things like that they have <clears throat> grenadines so it's it's grenadines are basically like little automatons that do work in these mines and from the poison from these mines they became uh what's the word i'm looking for chris they uh sentient um and so you, you it's still very fantasy based but it's more of like a it's it's not the high fantasy that magic is. It's more of a low fantasy with with cowboys and and more war and stuff like that um, between the different factions. And you have strangers, which we're still not exactly sure what strangers are completely or what their big goal is. That's part of the story that's coming up. And strangers essentially work kind of as a hive mind. They all pump each other in different ways or help you get to certain things. And so the, that's the big difference as far as the aesthetics and the stories go. And, and we'll get more into the story of each one of the games. But the aesthetics of the game, you have very high fantasy with magic, even though recently it's been Greece um, or, or ancient Greece or ancient Rome, uh, dinosaurs and pirates, and uh, the Dominaria uh -huh. has been back to angels and stuff. But there was a little place where it got away from high fantasy for the most part. and But in general, Magic is a high fantasy game with ogres and stuff like that. Uh, if you played D&D, &D, you would recognize the characters in, in Magic the Gathering. Uh, if you... I don't really know what Eternal... I was going to say Dark Tower series. Like, if you followed that, that's kind of along the same lines of what they're doing, but there's more to it. So, those are, those are the overall aesthetics. Um... Magic has been around since 93. Uh, let's see. That's I think that's when I started. When I started. I think it is 93 because it was before I was born. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, 1993. So before you were born, Jesus Christ. I was, I was going up to a place called Crazy Horse Comics to pick up cards. Because you would have to get up there first thing in the morning and hope that you were there whenever UPS showed up so that you could get... They would let you get one starter because it was such high demand. And that's one of the things I loved about Magic back then is is it was uh, it required you to trade because you couldn't just go buy a case. You know, you had to... 
you had to trade with people because you couldn't just easily go buy singles or go online and build a deck based on what professionals built or whatever. You know, it was it was the wild west for for early for card games very early on. Nothing like that had appeared. Getting the cards was difficult, so whenever you went to tournaments early, early on, it was you know, it was who knew what you were going to play against. Now, by turn two, you generally know what deck you're playing against in Magic. And that's one of my gripes about it, which we'll get to. Um, so that that's the basis of it. Eternal started, I guess, last year. It's been out a year or two. Um, two years. The copyright is 2016 to 2018. Okay. So, yeah. So it's been two years that Eternal's been out. I've been playing it for probably a year year and a half um i've been playing it before the first set i mean before the second set came out so i've been playing it since almost the start as soon as i could get in and uh, spoiler alert right now eternal is my preferred game to play but magic arena the reason we're having a discussion is magic arena is throwing their hat into that hearthstone eternal uh world where they're giving you a much cleaner interface so <clears throat> Before we start getting into the key differences of, of what the two do, I know you haven't played Eternal a lot, but between Eternal and you've, you've played more Magic Arena, between the two of those, which, which layout do you like better, just in general? In general? Yeah, I mean, just whenever you're playing the game, not, not all the menus and the features, just, just the overall feeling whenever you're playing. Eternal has a better feel to it. Arena is still clunky and kind of buggy. Yeah. So I, I would go with like general feel of the game Eternal because, <coughs> sorry, it runs smoother and it just it it just feels better to play while I have issues trying to pull up cards on the field so I know what the hell I want to target next turn while they're taking forever to do their turn and pictures aren't showing up and. I'm not getting the info I want and stuff like that. Yeah, and I, and and on that note, because this is a very minor note, what my biggest disappointment in Magic and this and and I have plenty of disappointments in Magic Arena, but this is my big one: the flavor text is not on any of the cards. That's every time a new set comes out, oh, I read through true. all the flavor text, and it's not on the cards in Magic Arena, which drives me up a wall. That's my biggest gripe about Arena right now, and hopefully they'll. I'm sure they're going to fix that, but. I just feel like I don't I don't know man because like I just I'm starting to get back into magic I got out for a while because I had no one to play with and now getting back into it with arena and different things and so I'm not completely sure what the mechanic explore does I know I probably have a card that has it I haven't read it yet but for some reason creatures in the game keep getting plus one plus one counters whenever they explore I don't know how the hell they're doing that, and it's not described in the game. Right, it's not, and it drove me crazy whenever I started it because I didn't play at all during the Exelon set. How Explore works is whenever you... Because I, I play an Explore deck a lot on Magic Arena. Whenever you play a creature, you look at the top card. If it is a land, it goes into your hand. If it is a uh, anything else... It either goes into the graveyard or on top of your deck, your choice, and the creature gets a 1-1 counter. So there's one Merfolk in particular. I think she's a 2-1 for 3 or something like that. And she, whenever she comes into play, she explores and then she explores again. So, 
and then there are cards that get plus one plus one counters whenever another creature explores right and uh, and next thing you know I, i'm going up against like a nine nine and i'm like how, how what the fuck's going on yeah there's uh, explorer is pretty silly right now because it's they haven't put keladesh in which keladesh has you kind of need keladesh to have your standard environment right now we're at a two-thirds standard environment and the answers aren't there. Like the Scarab God is the best card in Magic right now because there's not enough answers to him. And if you're not playing white, you're going to have a lot of trouble playing against that. And if you are playing white, everybody's going to hate you because you're probably playing a white blue control deck, and they're just going to watch you play Magic while you counter and exile all their stuff until they finally decide to kill you. So there's a lot of cool mechanics to it. Without Keladesh, I feel like Magic is that might be one of the reasons i'm not enjoying playing magic even though i think arena is a good start i think it's a it's a it's a good refresh over magic online um and just to be clear magic online is the uh very exact version of you playing at a table with your cards cards cost the same amount booster packs have 15 cards in them they cost the same amount as and uh digitally as they do in paper with magic arena booster packs have eight cards in them you get you can't trade or sell any of the cards like you can in magic online um i'm just trying to do the quick differences in the two um you get wild cards in magic arena which then you can turn into whatever card you want. So if you get a mythic wild card, you can go get Karn. Um, if you get a common one, you can go get a land of War, excuse me, a land of War elf, which is a common creature. <clears throat> and then that card's oh, burnt up. Quick question. What was that? With the, with those wild cards, don't you already have to have at least one copy of a card to use? No, it? no, you can get any card at all. You just have to hit the thing that lets you craft. And then it brings up every card that's in the game and you just choose any card you want that you have a wild card for. And say you want to, Buy it with the wild card. I am so mad. I did not know that. I've been getting cards that I already had cards of. Yeah, there's a... To expand my deck. There's a little, like, uh, circle crown thing or something. I, I can't remember exactly what the image is for that. But it brings up every card so you can craft. And... This is why I have no Planeswalkers. Right. And I have... Uh, I, just, I just got... I, the first Mythic that I got was Karn. Or no, Liliana. And then I got Karn right after. And then I've opened like two or three Karns since then in drafts and stuff like that. So I, I have to play Karn in everything I play, whether or not it makes sense. And, and I think he makes sense in everything. If, if you're a Magic person, you probably agree. Um, this, this is just another problem that Magic Arena has is it doesn't explain right. anything that's going on. Right. I had to learn everything from scratch because there is no tutorial about how the interface works. And, and some of the keywords do not do anything. They, they don't tell you what they do. It took me forever to figure out Explore because I had been out of the game for that set and I didn't pay attention to it. I didn't. Normally I watch a set review for every set from somebody. I didn't watch it for, for Ixalan at all because the Pirates versus... Uh, dinosaurs thing just seemed it seems silly I was like why not just do ninjas versus pirates I mean that's basically what we're doing um, and I get that it's a Aztec type setting but it just it didn't feel like magic and so I didn't care at all and I, I think that a lot of people had issues with where they went and, and the dinosaurs are cool and the pirates are cool and you can make fun stuff with it but it's just 
they had gone down such a weird path after doing Ravnica, which was this great world with all these different wizards and all this different diplomacy and stuff going on. And then all of a sudden we're dealing with vehicles and we're dealing with dinosaurs and airships and inventors and artificers. And it just, it went down a path that, that wasn't magic to me. And so I stopped paying attention to it until Dominaria hit. And then I was like, all right, I'm back in. You're, you got me again because of Dominaria. Um, but, but that is one I'm of the just... big issues is they don't tell you what a lot of the skills do. There are a lot of the keywords do rather. And again, magic arena is very early on. So that stuff I'm sure will be worked out eventually, but even the ones that are on there, it, it takes a minute for you to see what it says. So I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's got some work to do. I've also had issues where, okay, so if you're playing against someone and they're taking a while, a countdown timer clock happens. Same thing happens to you if you're taking too long. I've had an issue where I've had to have that timer clock go down all the way and then wait for an equivalent of like another two before the match ended. So I sat there for like eight minutes just staring at my screen waiting to win a match because the other person went AFK. Yeah, they, they do and a I- timeout thing in it. So in in Eternal, if you take too long, a little ring starts to come down and then it ends your turn. Um, and then it goes to the next player and you just lost your turn. In Magic, you have three timeouts. So once the timer goes out, the first timeout goes out. Then you get another timer, and then the timeout goes on. And then you get your third timer, the timeout hits, and then I think it goes one more time, and then you're finally disconnected. So you basically have to sit there through four long turns, which are probably about two minutes each or so that they have without doing any actions whatsoever, which is fine because magic you spend a lot of time doing math and thinking and planning and stuff like that but magic arena is supposed to be a little bit faster game and and i think they're trying to find the balance so hopefully they do but right now it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't kill me that it happens that way but it's it's not my favorite thing in the world um but let's let's talk about the actual difference between magic and eternal as a game because magic is a straight up tabletop game that transitioned into a digital game and eternal was built from the ground up to be digital only um you cannot play even if you printed out the entire all the cards that are in the set you would have no real ability without a lot of extra work to play you would have to have basically a third person there acting as the computer to play eternal on a tabletop it's it's near impossible. Um, and you have to have somebody that can watch each other's hands because in, in magic, whenever, so, so we'll just start getting into the differences and, um, I can, I'll explain the, the keywords and the trigger words and stuff like that from eternal that are similar to magic and how they differ and how the games play a little bit differently. So I'll dominate a little bit of this. So I'll shut up for a second. If there's things you want to throw in first, Chris, um, just basically going into this for the listeners when he says that eternal can't be played on tabletop it's it's really true because when he starts describing the mechanics it'll make sense because there are mechanics that if played on tabletop would be incredibly easy to cheat right 
Because if you're if you're if you're playing against someone who doesn't care about the honor system, you're screwed. Right, and that's why you need a third person to check. Because in in Magic, whenever you play a discard spell, and let, let's say it's a spell that that says uh, choose target non land, non planeswalker permanent from opponent's hand and discard it. In Magic, they have to show the entire hand. So regardless of whether or not they have any cards that you could actually make them discard, you still get full information. In Eternal, a card that says, look at your opponent's hand and choose a creature card or a spell card and make them discard it, you only show them the creature and spells. They don't get to see the rest of your hand. So then all of a sudden they're like, okay, well, I know three of their five cards, but those other two cards could just be power, which is the same thing as mana. Um, Or those could be something else that could be equipment or, or a weapon or uh, whatever didn't fall into this discard spell. So it leaves, you don't have to give as much information to your opponent in eternal, which I actually like quite a bit because I've always felt that magic was a, a game about bluffing and with the prevalence of discard spells now with their over 10,000 cards that, they, that they've made in magic. I mean, you can make a deck that's all discard and peak and stuff like that. You know, things that let you just look at your opponent's hands as many times as you want. And then all of a sudden the bluffing is gone. And well, there, there, there's a one blue, a one blue mana attack. Uh, God damn. I can't speak again. One blue mana enchantment called telepathy, yeah. which just makes your opponent play with their hand Hands revealed. Up. Yep. And it's and it's telepathy was what I, I pissed off all my friends all the time because I always stuck into a deck. I would always play at least two or three blue, at least two or three blue sources just so I could play telepathy because they hated it so much. It didn't I didn't care to play it, but they hated it. Um, and that's one of the things in Magic that happens a lot is there's a lot of cards that people just hate to play against, like. The Scarab God. I hate to play against blue-black decks because I know it's coming up. And I can't think of a card in Eternal that I hate to play against. There's ones that I know it's going to be a bad matchup or it's going to be a challenge. But it's not like, ah, oh, Jesus Christ. This whole deck is just about this. Um, and part of that is the I think the design philosophy is they're much lighter on counter spells and control spells. So that you're actually both playing the game, whereas Magic is all, you know, if you want to play a control deck, you're playing a control deck and you don't let your opponent do anything. And Well, the th- a, a big thing with Magic is you can basically do anything you want in the game because there are so many cards and so many different archetypes. Yeah, and, and even, even, out, even in Standard, if you play a control deck, your opponent, you can get your opponent locked. Um, years and years and years ago, we built a friend of mine and I. We built a deck called the Chronotog deck, and people hated us for it. Um, this was before net decks happened, and essentially by turn, generally by turn four, turn five, your the our opponent was locked out of the game, and all they could do is sit there and draw the rest of their deck until they decked out. That that's not a game to me. That's dumb. Um. I enjoyed being on the playing end of it, but whenever a guy flipped a table and tried to attack me, I understood why. He had every right to, because he came to a tournament to play Magic, 
And what I said is, you get to play for three turns, and then you don't get to play anymore for the rest of this game. And and it, that's that's where magic goes a lot of the times because blue has a very strong identity in being a control type of uh, color. So you're counterspelling and mana draining and tapping down their stuff and playing cards back in the day like stasis where they don't get to untap and. If you can come up with a way where you don't have to worry about the upkeep on stasis, then all of a sudden they're locked out of the game. And <clears throat> at one level, that's something that makes Magic great. On the second, uh, on the other level, that's something that makes Magic a horrendous game to play at this point in time. Because it's there's so many cards that if you play outside of standard, especially if you play in modern or if you play kitchen table magic or if you play in just wide open stuff it's very very frustrating um i enjoy limited i enjoy doing drafts and sealed events because you don't run into that stuff that's about all i do in magic um i am playing magic arena and i'm i'm building you know random decks to play with but you know as soon as i run up against a blue white control deck i just concede and as soon as i run up against a Scarab, do- Scarab God deck, if I'm not playing Exile stuff, I just concede. Because there's no point. It's just a waste of time. There's no way out. And Eternal, I haven't run into a card or a deck that as soon as I see what I'm playing against, I'm like, I'm screwed. There's no way for me to win. Because there are ways to win. There's there's always an answer to everything. And part of that is, is a smaller card pool. And I get that. I'm, I'm not arguing that in 25 years of Eternal still around, this I'll not. I'm not saying I won't still say the same thing about Eternal in 25 years. That it's frustrating to play because people will lock you out. Um, and there's there's decks in Eternal that go off on these huge combos, but very rarely are they instant win combos. You don't have stuff like Storm, which is one of the worst things ever created in Magic. That you know wins tournaments all the time. Um, so here's here's the big differences between the two games. In Magic, you have uh, let's see, I'm trying to think of keywords. There's so many keywords in Magic at this point that it's over the top. But you have hexproof, shroud, horsemanship, um, trample, trample, shadow. Um, what else do you have? Reach, flying, first strike, double strike. Haste, Haste uh, Death Touch, Convoke. Um, just, I mean, you have a ton of kicker. You have all these different things, and they last per standard environment, per or actually per set. So, you know, with well, they basically come out with a new mechanic every set. Not even like because Magic has blocks, where it's like two or three sets of cards are to a block. Right. It's not like one mechanic per block. It's like one mechanic per set right and it muddies everything because half those cards become unplayable outside of standard yeah and and they're getting better about making most of them evergreen and it's generally like three new mechanics will come out per per set and a lot of them are evergreen like kicker came back flashback came back things like that in magic um but with dominaria they introduce new stuff like historic whenever you play an artifact a saga or a legendary creature you get a trigger or uh, legendary sorceries, which you can only play if you have a legendary creature out, um, or a historic card out. I can't remember which one it is. Something. It's you know what I'm talking. about. I think about. it's legendary. So, 
you have those things in there and the the problem is that whenever you're playing in non-standard environments especially commander and things like that if i were to play a straight up shadow deck with a bunch of hexproof stuff you can't you know good luck because you can't target my stuff and nobody plays shadow because it was only around for one set but cards are still playable or horsemanship horsemanship only allows another creature with horsemanship to block it and there's not many cards there's not many horsemanship cards it's not an evergreen mechanic and so they don't a lot of this stuff was made with very, very good intentions, and it was fun whenever it came out. But whenever you get into these longer formats, they don't play out as well. And I think that's where Eternal, having having the ability to look back at these things, at, at everything that Magic has done, was able to say, hey, let's make sure that our stuff makes sense going forward. That in 10 years, this stuff will still make sense. So... With Magic, it doesn't work as a digital-only game because it has to also work in cardboard. So, some of the cues so I'm going to go through basically the stuff that Eternal does and why Magic can't compete with it on that level. Whether or not you like it, that's up to you. Like I said, um, I lean more towards more towards Eternal, and I've played Magic since Alpha, so I am a very big fan of Magic and everything that Wizards has done, but times are changing and eternal kept up eternal came in and showed me there's something better that you can do something better so with eternal instead of having hex proof which means that uh in magic it would be hex proof or shroud which means the creature can't be targeted they have a thing called agus which means it's protected from one spell or effect and then the agus goes away and then it's wide open so you never have a creature that's just there's a magic card um the last troll i can't remember what his name is he's he's like a four four hex proof regenerate so you can't target him you can't really kill him because he can regenerate you can't do anything to him with agus there's a number of creatures that are very very strong and you basically have to use two spells to kill them but it's not a it's not a mechanic that is so frustrating that once they get it out, you can't deal with it. Um, there was a in, in Magic. What was that blue rogue guy that had hexproof and unblockable? Invisible stalker. Yes, invisible stalker showed the problem with a paper mechanic um, because Agus and, and hexproof essentially are doing the same thing. You know, the first spell isn't going to work. But with Hexproof, it keeps on going that way. And so you can't do anything outside of a very small set of spells to remove it. And so whenever you have something that's unblockable, you're pretty much in a race. And if you're not a deck that's built for racing, then that thing's going to destroy you. And so and by doing Aegis instead, or Aegis, whatever you want to call it, if I have two just straight up killer creature spells, I shoot it once, I shoot it again, it's dead. The end. With Hexproof, I could never target it in the first place. Aegis doesn't stop targeting. Um, charge is the same thing as Hasted Magic, where as soon as it comes into play, it can attack. Deadly is the same thing as um, Death Strike. What's it Death called? Touch. Death Touch. Um, where one damage kills him. Double damage is the same thing as Double Strike. It 
does his damage twice. Endurance is the same thing as vigilance. That it it it's always it's never tapped. It taps to attack, but then it untaps. Uh, flying is flying. One of the cool things they did with Eternal is you have the fight mechanic in um, Magic where one creature does its damage to another creature and that creature does it back. They have Killer in here, and with Killer, whoops, you can give a creature Killer, you can give all your creatures Killer, it doesn't matter. Um, they can attack a creature directly. Um, but the, the advantage to how that works, how killer works is if they have quick draw, overwhelm, deadly life still, or any of those things that also works. So if you have a six, six that has killer and overwhelm and you attack a one, one, you do one damage to the creature in eternal. And then the other five hits the player. And so you removed a creature, plus you did five more to him. So you kind of force him to block is, is almost how Killer works in this. Um, and you still get all the different bonuses. Uh, life still is the same thing. You gain life whenever it does damage. Overwhelm is trample. Quick draw is the same thing as first strike. Um, but the big difference is it only works on the attack. So if you're being attacked by a 2-2... Two -two, and you block with a 2-2 two -two with quick draw, they both die. If you're attacking with your 2-2 two -two quick draw and they block with their 2-2 two -two that doesn't have quick draw, their creature dies, yours lives. It only works on the attack. Um, reckless is another one of the cool keywords they have, which forces the creature to attack every single turn. Um, there's something similar in magic. What is it? I think attacks every turn of able. Hey. Yeah, it's just attacks every turn if able. If able. Okay, and then I'm going to get into some of the stuff that's unique, completely unique to Eternal in just a second. Uh, unblockable is the same as unblockable. Um, so the rest of this stuff is unique to Eternal because, excuse me, because it is a digital card game. So the first one is Revenge. And I'll read exactly what Revenge does, and then I'll explain how Revenge works. So the first time it's killed, you give it destiny, which is another keyword, uh, and put it in, into the top 10 cards of your deck. You don't choose where it goes, it just goes randomly into the top 10s, into the top 10. So the best example of how revenge works is, uh, I'm gonna go with the simple cards. There's a one one for one shadow, which is, I'm gonna just call it by the color. It's, it's one one for one black, um, and it has revenge. Whenever you kill it, it goes into the top 10 cards of your library. Whenever you would draw it, it then goes immediately into play because it has destiny and you draw another card. And so it replaces itself whenever it comes into play. And so now you've gotten two one ones for one black. You just don't know when you're getting that other one there. So it's a really good chump blocker. It's also on spells. So there's a... There's a card called Sleepless Night, which is uh, eight mana, and you, it requires that you have two black threshold, which we'll get into the mana differences in a minute. Uh, you discard your hand and draw four cards. Then you put that spell back into the top ten cards of your deck. Then whenever you draw it again, you're going to discard your card or discard the current hand that you have and draw four more cards. So it's a it's a cool spell to get you late game black control decks. 
It lets you refill your hand, spend them. Sometimes you'll be unluck- unlucky, and the next card that you draw is that card, and you discard all the stuff that you just drew. But you still get four more cards after that. So Revenge is one of the big ones, and only works digitally. Um, Warcry is another one that's only going to work in digital. And how this works is it's Warcry X, so it could be anywhere from 1 to 15. I think the highest is is 3. Um Whenever a creature with Warcry attacks, the top creature of your deck, and that could be the next card or 10 cards down or the last card of your deck, whatever the next creature is, gets... And weapon. Or or weapon, yes. Uh, creature or weapon gets a plus one, plus one, plus two, plus two, plus three, plus three, whatever the X is, whatever the Warcry is, every single time it attacks. So if you have a creature... Let's say that you have a 1-1 creature that that's for... Actually, to to really get into to how well Eternal works with these complicated mechanics, let's say that that 1-1 revenge creature that I talked about is two cards down, and you have a 2-1 guy with Warcry 1. And you attack, you attack, and then you draw that, that 1-1. Now he's a 3-3 with revenge. You play him... He trades with something in a block, another 3-3 or a 5-3 or whatever, and they both die. That one, that originally 1-1 one, one with Revenge, uh, which let me just tell you its name, Toctic. Uh, tick. Um, so your Toctic then goes back into the top 10 cards of your deck. Keep on attacking with Warcry. Now let's say it gets another plus 3, plus 3. So whenever it comes up and it goes directly into play because of Destiny... Oh, my cat is coming in to hang out. Um, then now it's a 6-6 uh, six, six because of Warcry. So it, it pumps your stuff up. The background noise you're hearing is our super ninja cat, Freya. You want to say hi some? Say hi to people, Freya? Nope. Okay. Um, so Warcry and Revenge work really well together because... You get to pump your creatures. Small creatures all of a sudden get bigger. And it works really well for aggressive decks. Um, Ambush is similar to Flash, where you can play it as a quick spell. So a creature with Ambush you could play uh, on their turn. But the difference is you can only play it at certain times. So if if one of their units is going to... If they're using Killer and they're going to kill one of your units, you can play Ambush. And it switches the target of killer to the creature that just came into play. Um, and there's a lot of things that they do with ambush that's really cool. Uh, bond means that I'm going to read bond because it's it's a little complicated if you haven't played the game, and and I'm not trying to get overly complicated with this stuff, and I know I am. So with bond, whenever it's played, you can exhaust another unit of the same type to reduce the cost by the exhausted unit strength. So let's say that you're playing a Valkyrie deck and you have a three, three Valkyrie in play and you have a seven mana or a seven power Valkyrie in your hand. You can tap the three, three Valkyrie that's in play. And now your seven mana Valkyrie is only four mana because you subtract its strength from its overall casting cost. And generally, cards with bond are overcosted, but they are given special abilities, or they have some kind of unique strengths that make them very cool. Um, and then, 
The last thing is Echo, which works on all kinds of different cards. And then we'll get into the triggered abilities. These are just the keywords, the, the things that come on different cards. How Echo works is whenever you draw a card with Echo, it creates another copy and puts it into your hand. So with one of the decks I play, and I'll kind of explain it to show you kind of the how you can go down the magic broken deck idea, but still not just crush people. Um, one of the cards, she's a one-two uh, in white, which is uh, time. And whenever you draw a power card or a mana card, if, if we're using magic terms, the all your power cards have echo. So if I were to draw one of my power cards, I instead get two power cards into my hand. And the same thing happens with creatures, that if you draw a creature with echo, you get two of that same creature. And it has all the benefits that it had. So if it had been pumped by Warcry, then both copies will have the Warcry bonuses on it whenever you draw it. So again, these are reasons that it can only work as a digital game and the reason that it benefits from being digital. Um, so that's the that's the key difference in how the keywords work is, as you can see, there's a huge overlap between magic and eternal whenever it comes to the keywords on the card as far as trample haste all that kind of stuff but there's a few things that only eternal can do because it's a digital game and it messes with the deck and where cards go in your deck and it hides information things like that so very and, and creating a second copy of a card i mean that's completely you can't do that in cardboard you can't just take the card and Make it go poof. Now it's two cards. So that was a very long explanation of that part. I'll do the, the triggered keywords real quick. And then we'll kind of discuss the two. Because for the most part, I think most people kind of understand what magic is. Especially if they're listening to this episode. Um, with triggered keyword. Oh, and, and another thing about. Well, we'll get into a few of the other differences between the two games. Right after I, I talk about the few triggers that go into the game. So you have ally, which is not like the magic ally. Well, it kind of is. It, how it works is if, let's say you're playing a Valkyrie deck and it says Valkyrie ally. If you have a creature in play that has Valkyrie ally and then you play an ally, it triggers and you get whatever the bonus is. It could be another creature. It could be a plus one, plus one. If you have an ally in play, or if you have a Valkyrie in play and you play the card that has that, it also triggers. It doesn't matter which one comes into play first. It triggers once both of them are in play. Um, in power, it's basically landfall, but it's a permanent boost. So anytime that, on almost every card, it's a permanent boost. Um, anytime you play a power or a power card or a uh, the equivalent of mana, it's called power and eternal, the empower ability happens. And these can be things from a permanent plus one plus one create another five five or bring a card back from the graveyard and put it into into play um and tomb it just does something whenever it goes into the graveyard fate does something whenever you draw it infiltrate it doesn't have the best example of infiltrate is there's a two two for two if it does damage to the player, it gets a permanent plus two, plus two, one time. Once it's done, it's done. Um, 
So then it becomes a 4-4, but you have to get it in to do damage. So Infiltrate has all these different things, like maybe kill a unit or create a 2-2 flyer or uh, create another beast or something like that. Um, life Force, anytime you gain life, the trigger goes off. And the in, in my current sealed pool, which I'll be streaming over the next month, that's what my deck is doing, is there's a card that... Anytime you gain life, all your creatures you get plus one, plus one. And I'm playing just a ton of creatures with plenty of life gain. And so if I get her into play and I gain life, then all my creatures just keep on getting bigger and bigger and bigger and it gets out of control. Uh, there's a mentor and student thing that whenever you play a mentor, it taps the student and it gives the student a bonus. Um, and then the student can get bonuses or, or the, the card can get a bonus by becoming a student, if it has that keyword on it. Spark, it gives you an additional ability if damage was done to the opponent that turn. Uh, summon is exactly what it says. Whenever you summon it, you do whatever it says after that. So it may give a creature flying whenever you summon or whatever. Transmute is something that, again, can only be done digitally. And there's, there's two different places where transmute happens the most. Uh, one is for power cards that come into play tapped, more or less. And if you have five of that particular color, so if you have five time already in play, whenever you draw that particular power card, instead of it still being a power card, it's now turned into a 5-5 five, five creature with Overwhelm. So the card changes its type based on the type of mana or power that you have in play. Um, another one is... There's two different cards. One is you transform a card into something that's uh, a random creature that costs one more or a random creature that costs one less. And so there's there's a couple cards that play with that idea. And then ultimate is a one-use ability that does something cool. It happens one time. It generally has a cost that goes along with it. Um, let's see. We talked about... Uh, bond earlier depleted means it comes into play tapped the new th the newest thing they added was nightfall which means that you that both players draw an extra card and take one damage and then all kinds of different things can happen at night and night lasts for one complete turn so if you play the nightfall card it's nighttime during your opponent's turn nighttime during your turn and then on their turn it's daytime um, Scout lets you look at the top card. The same thing as uh, Magic where you have Scry, where you can look at the top card, put it on top of your deck or on the bottom. Silence, it removes all text from whatever you silence. Uh, still lets you take a card from your opponent. So there's a card that lets you draw the top card of your opponent's deck. Whenever you do that, it removes all of the color that's required to pay it. You still have to pay the two or three power, but it doesn't matter what colors you have. So if you're a green deck and you draw a black card, you can still play it. Um, stun for two turns. The uh, the unit is exhausted, can't do anything. It's tapped, essentially, but it also can't use its abilities for two turns um, or until, you're, until the next turn. It, it, trying to trying to do the math right until its owner's next turn so generally it goes for for two turns because you do it at the end of their turn then it's your turn 
then it's their turn, and then it comes off. So it, it's for one full turn. Um, and then finally, the last thing, and then we'll start talking about some of the some of the cool things that both games do and that are a little bit different is warp. And warp allows you whenever whenever the top card of your deck is warped that has warp on it, you see it and you can play it off the top of your deck. Again, something that you can only do in digital. They kind of did that with miracles in magic where you look at the top card and if it's a miracle, you cast it for cheaper. But with warp, you always just bring it up. It's always face up on the top of your deck. Only you know it's face up, but you can play it as soon as it shows up. So those are all the different abilities that are in there. There's a bunch of cards that do all kinds of different stuff and different combos that happen. The big thing with most of these skills is that ultimates and stuff reset once they've moved to a different zone. Um, so if you do an ultimate and then it dies and then you bring it back into play, you can ultimate it again. Um, any kind of effects on it, whether it's a plus one, plus one counter or uh, a minus one, minus one counter or whatever, whenever it goes to the graveyard or it goes to your hand, that counter stays on it. So that's very different from magic because it tracks the different bonuses that it has. If it has killer, that's one of the big things that one of the big decks used that is you would put killer on a card, let it go kill something. It had trample or overrun. And then whenever you played a card that had five power or more, it'd come back into play and killer would be reset because killer is a one-time use uh, ability. But once it goes to the graveyard, it resets, it gets to come back into play. Um, so those are some of the big differences there. So I tried to get that as quick as possible. It gives you an idea of what all the different things are in Eternal and why Eternal is digital only. And for Magic, I'm not going to go over everything in Magic because it's always rotating. This stuff is this stuff has shown up in every single set. So Eternal is keeping it pretty evergreen across the board. So there we go. Boom. Now we can talk about the big differences in the two games. Outside of, of course, the keywords and stuff that I talked about. I think the first place you should go with that is the mana threshold because I haven't got to the point where it starts to act different than it does in uh, Magic, but you were telling me that there is a big difference in how it works compared to Magic the Gathering. Okay, so I'm going to try to explain this. I don't know if I should use examples or just straight up say how it works. So in, in Magic the Gathering, if... If you're trying to cast a spell, and let's, I'm gonna just go pick a random spell real quick off Magic Gathering, uh, Gather. Uh, uh, cancel. Let's see. Well, that's no fun. I gotta pick something random uh, that I can that I can just look at. Cancel is too easy. Um, let's see. But it actually may be the perfect one to pick. Um, Okay, so we're going to use Cancel, and we're also going to use Lightning Bolt. Those will be the two that we use. So Cancel and Magic is two blue and one other, two islands, and, and one of any color. Cancel target spell. Lightning Bolt is one red, do three damage to a creature. Um, or player. What was that? Or, or, or player. player. Yeah, creature or player. Uh, just do three damage or planeswalker, whatever. 
um, you do three damage. And it costs one red. Cancel costs two blue, one other. So in magic, if you're going to ca cast cancel, you need to have two untapped islands and one untapped anything, and then you can cast it. And then for lightning bolt, you need to have one untapped mountain, and you can cast that. Now let's we're going to pretend these are eternal cards also and explain how that works. And so let's say you have four mana in magic, and you have... Cancel and Lightning Bolt. And let's say Hepburn tries to play uh, Liliana of the Vel. So I cancel it. And then at the end of his turn, because I have four mana, I, I tap two blue and one of my red mana. And I cancel his spell so he doesn't get to play as Liliana. Then at the end of his turn, I do three damage to him with the Lightning Bolt with the extra mountain that I have. If instead that was happening in... Eternal, all that matters, so I could have one white, one red, and two blue and do the same thing because it doesn't care which one you tap. Whenever, whenever it's two blue and one other, it just makes sure that I have three power and, and I have at least, I've played at least two blue power. Uh, which is primal. So I have at least two blue, one other. So I play that. It doesn't matter if I accidentally tap the red one or not because you don't tap any of your power. It just it just subtracts three power from you. So I cancel his card. And then at the end of this turn, even though technically I accidentally tap two blue and a red, I can still cast a lightning bolt because I have a red threshold. It doesn't matter that I accidentally tapped it because, again, you don't do it. But if it was like magic laid out on a table and I tapped the red... I could use the white one because it's still one power. So it's a threshold system instead. So if something requires six mana and three of it is red, it doesn't matter if you have three red and 40 of everything else. As long as you have three red and you have six total power, you can play that card. Um, and Which if you have... Huh? I'm just sorry. I just want to say, like, that that's a huge lifesaver because even just oh. playing Magic Arena, I've had situations where I go to play a spell and the auto-tapper, I don't wrong realize, every time. taps the one land that I only have one of on the field and now I can't play that second spell and my turn's completely wrecked because my combo can't go off or my strategy can't go off because I accidentally inadvertently tapped a land that I didn't want tapped. Right. Because the auto tapper sucks right now, and and they are doing an update to that, which which we'll talk about the update that they talked about here in a few minutes. Um, but how mana works in this is you don't tap it; you spin the power. Other other digital games have done this. It's it's very similar to Hearthstone, which I'm sure most people have played. That as long as you have, you know, if you have if you're trying to cast seven seven mana worth of spells, whether it's seven different spells or two different spells, as long as you have seven mana, you can cast it. Same thing with Eternal. As long as you have enough of that particular colored mana's threshold that you played at some point in the game. So every time you play, so every time you play a power card, it gives you a blue or a red or a green or a white or a black or a red white or whatever. And depending on what it is, it gives you uh, one threshold of each one of those colors. 
So as long as you have enough of the threshold, it doesn't matter how you tap anything because you're not tapping anything. And that's that's the big that's the big difference is as long as you have enough mana and enough threshold, then you can cast whatever spells you want. You don't have to worry about tapping your mana correctly or anything like that. It just takes a little bit of a headache out of the game. And and there's a little bit of strategy to it, to magic. You know, it's part of the fun of trying to figure out how to tap your mana correctly. But ultimately, it 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 kills you whenever you accidentally tap the wrong mana because you were trying to move quickly through the game. Um so Eternal does that, and it makes it significantly easier whenever you're casting spells. Um, and, it, and it also it, it lets you hide more information from your opponent, because if I in Magic, if I leave up two blue mana, guess what? I'm probably holding a counterspell. Which is cool, because you can bluff that. But if I'm just holding up three power, and like if I didn't spend three of my power in Eternal... You have no clue if it's because I just didn't have a three power card that I wanted to play, or if it's because I'm holding any number of cards that I could completely screw you over with. And it, there's not as many tells, so it's much easier to hide that kind of stuff. And I think that's probably one of the reasons that counter spells are more expensive and less prevalent in Eternal, is because it's much easier to hide what kind of you don't have you're not holding up mana. Um of a particular color. Um, you know, in Magic, if I'm holding up one red on turn one, chances are I'm holding onto a lightning bolt. So you're, you know, you're ready for that. So that, that's the big difference in the mana system. And hopefully that explains it. I know I know it's, it's, it's kind of complicated until you see it in play. And we're going to do plenty of YouTube videos for it. So hit us up at Gaming Astoria so you can see whenever the YouTube channel we're ready to say, go watch. Because um, so far we've done Rainbow Six, we're going to do some Eternal, we're going to actually do some Raft, which is a new early access game, stuff like that. So there's going to be plenty coming out. Uh, same thing with the stream. We'll we'll stream Eternal. Um, and Magic Arena, if you like. The other big thing that uh, Eternal has that Magic doesn't is weapons and relics. Uh Relics are essentially enchantments, so there's not a big thing there. But there are ones that are, are weapons that work like Hearthstone weapons that you can attack with them. And the difference is, if you have a 3-3 weapon, it doesn't mean you get to attack with it three times. It means that it adds three armor. Then you can play cards that give you more and more armor. And as you gain that armor... You can keep on attacking with the weapon as long as you want until that armor is destroyed. But if somebody plays something that removes all armor or destroys that weapon, you lose both. All your armor and the weapon are gone. So weapons are, are very powerful, but also very, very uh, susceptible to disruption. So it's, it's one of the cool things that lets your character actually be a little bit more involved other than just playing cards. Your character is actually, you know, taking a big spear and going and attacking stuff, which is cool. Um, trying to think if Eternal has any other big differences outside of that. Um, I think I th I think that's the biggest differences in Magic and Arena is that you have the weapons and then, of course, all the other stuff. Isn't the life about. total also different? Isn't yeah. Eternal like twenty five and Magic's twenty? Yeah, I think it's twenty twenty five. I think I said thirty earlier. It's it's twenty five and twenty. 
Which makes a big difference. Oh, and in Magic, minimum card uh, limit, or the, the minimum number of cards for your library is 60. And Eternal, the minimum number of cards for your deck is 75. The re- you can still have four of each card, but the reason that they do 75 is so that you cannot just start building degenerate uh, combo decks like like that Chronotog deck I talked about. At 60 cards, you're very likely to get all the cards you want pretty quickly. At 75 cards, it's a little less likely to happen. You really have to do some extra work to make that happen. Um, so that's another big difference in it is, is aggro has a little bit more that they have to work through, but the cards are generally a little bit more efficient. And you're not going to be consistently drawing the same first seven cards because you're, you have 15, your whole sideboard, if you're playing Magic, imagine your deck with your sideboard in it. You're 75 cards, so all of them are stuck together. And, you know, it, it makes it very different. And finding the right balance of power in there is very different. And, and it just makes a... It, it makes the deck building very unique and a lot of fun. Um, but those are the big difference in the overall gameplay and, and why Eternal works so well as a digital-only game. And I think where Magic's going to have a lot of trouble catching on. Magic has a long history and a dedicated following, but as more and more people find Eternal, I think that they're going to kind of convert... And go play Magic, you know, on Friday Night Magic or at their friend's house or whatever. But if they're going to play online, they're going to play Eternal. I That's that's what I see happening, because that's kind of where I'm at at this point. That I'll go to a pre-release and play Magic and Paper, but I won't do a pre-release online. Um, with, with Arena, I'll do drafts and stuff right now, because I need to, so that I can talk about it more and review it and stuff for the site. But Eternal is the one that I prefer. And... I guess that's the big difference is we can get into some of the economy stuff about them and, and a few things like that. But I, I, I know this is basically just a big infomercial, so I don't want it to go on forever because, you know, it's it's more letting you know who who I think the big two titans are going to be taking Hearthstone out of the picture because Hearthstone appeals to a different type of card player. Um, well, I haven't even heard Hearthstone in the news for some time now. Yeah, they they've been. I, I still jump on every Wednesday and do a tavern brawl. Um, but what pisses me off about that is I still get the cards from the very first set whenever I win a tavern brawl. Like, why not give me a pack from the new set? Um, which what a great transition to economy. Um, so Direwolf Games is the company behind Eternal. They also do the Elder Scrolls Legends game. But with Eternal, they knocked it out of the park with the free-to-play model. I actually put money into the game because they're so generous with uh, with, with their free-to-play model. Every day that you win, you get a pack of the newest set that's out for your first win. Every three wins, you get... Well, every win, you get a chest. And generally... It's 55 to 60 gold for the first two chests. And then the third win gives you a silver chest, which gives you like 150 to 160. And each one of them also gives you a card. Um, They're almost always commons, but it helps new players fill out their stuff pretty quick. You know, get a base set going so that they can start to to build towards a bigger thing or a bigger deck. 
Um, or, or I should say a more powerful deck. Um, and the other thing is those chests can upgrade randomly to higher level chests. And if it goes to gold, you're going to get uh, significantly more, like a golden chest gives you a lot more gold and generally a higher rarity card. Um, I'm trying to remember if a gold gives you, yeah, gold gives you a pack also. So you'll get a, a full booster of cards also. And then if it upgrades to platinum, then you get like 2,000 something gold, 1,500 to 2,000 gold. You get a booster pack and you get, I think it's always a foil card or a premium card. And it'll sometimes be a higher rarity one. Um, so you have a chance with every single game to upgrade to get a booster pack, 2,000 gold, and a foil premium card. So they're very, very generous with that with every single one of your wins. Um, and, it's, and it's fairly easy to win because they have a mode that you can play against AI where you can just go in and play for free and win a pack or two here and there. You can play a very cheap to enter AI mode where you can win slightly better prizes. They have uh, every month a new league starts where you get... I think it's 12 packs total over the league. It's somewhere around there. I'm, uh, I'm not going to go look it up right now. But you start off, I think, with eight packs. And then you build your 40-card deck after that, out of that, play 10 games each week, and then you get another two packs from one of the sets each week for the rest of the month. And you enhance your deck going that way. And then at the end of the month, based on where you rate, you get big prizes. Um. In addition, drafts are fairly cheap. You can get to the money that you need to draft on Eternal pretty quick. And if you win the draft, you generally have enough money to draft again, uh, the in-game currency to draft again. Plus, you win a whole bunch of stuff, and you keep all the cards you drafted. Um, and then you have casual and competitive play as well, uh, as far as constructed goes. And the great thing is that you can take an all-commons deck and compete. You can you can do very well at the the earlier stages. You're not going to hit master one or anything like that. You know the platinum one or diamond one, whatever it's called. Um, but you'll be able to compete long enough to win quite a few games and then go do some other things and, and rework it and stuff like that. With Magic's stuff, you've played Magic Arena enough that you can talk about their economy, and I can finally shut up for a little bit and let you be part of this podcast. <laughs> You know, it's like I've been in the shadow zone for so long. I know this is this is just me proving that I can I can talk nonstop forever. And this is why my wife is probably gonna leave me at some point. Once once the kids all old and grown up, she's gonna be like, I can't handle it anymore. You never shut up. Sir, sir, can I speak now, sir? Fire away, Hepburn. Tell us about Arena's economy and how easy it is right, to get so the cards you want. Magic Arena, the way they dish out cards, I, I really do like a lot better than Magic Online because as far as I know, Magic Online, you had to buy everything aside from the 100 like, common and uncommon cards they give you for free to start off. Yeah, or so, winning from tournaments or whatever. But other than that, yeah, you didn't get anything. So off the hop, touche to, uh, to Magic Arena. My biggest issue with Magic Arena, though, and the way they dub out cards is 
it doesn't seem like I'm getting enough of them. Most people, if they play, can easily do 30, 40 matches in like two days. And you can get up to, if you win 15 uh, matches in a week, you get up to three packs. Of eight cards, not 15. (laughs) That's correct. Yep. So I can get like 15 wins in like a day and a half if if I'm really trying. So that goes away super fast. And then every day it's like you get another challenge where it's like play 20 black or red spells and then that's 500 gold. And then you use a thousand gold to buy another pack. So it seems like I'm getting packs really slowly. But at the same time, I now learned that I can use wild cards to grab any card in the set which was not told before right so that was something i was completely unaware of so before knowing that i would have said that they need to help speed that up because it just seems very slow it is it, and and you get absolutely nothing for losing you you get spit on for losing like i mean unless you have a quest that you're working on um yeah like and, if you if you have one of those play 20 blue spells it'll still count to that but if you lose you get no gold no gems nothing you don't you don't get gold for winning a game do you or yeah i i guess no you don't do you if you do the quick draft and quick constructed which i have yet to do because i can't afford to play those without spending real money because i raise gold so damn slow yeah so that is the big problem is every single game in eternal that you win, you get some money out of it. You get some gold out of it. Even if it's just 55 gold. If you know, if you do your quests, you do your games, you're going to have 5,000 gold pretty quick, which is what it costs to get into a draft. With Magic, once you've played your 15 games for the week, you're done. You're not getting gold. You're not getting anything else. You get your, your once-a-day quest, which will be between 500 and 750 gold. So it'll take you a week and a half, maybe a week, to earn enough gold to be able to draft once. With Eternal, if you want to sit there and play all day, you can earn enough to do a draft within you know five, six hours. And, and then if you do well on the of, draft, keep on going. Speaking of drafting all day, Magic Arena has now said in an update that they are changing the way they do drafts because drafts were, what, once every two or three days only once only on the weekends yeah so that meant you actually you actually had to be at your computer at a very specific time to play a draft yep but when there's hundreds of thousands of people probably on magic arena why not (laughs) i think that's an overestimation Um, eventually 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 hopefully um unless our podcast takes over the world and makes everybody play eternal instead um but yeah, so so they are so June seventh they're doing a big update, which sounds like they're doing some stuff to the economy, which should help. But he was very—I don't know if he was clear enough, or maybe I need to watch the video a couple more times to understand exactly what he's saying they're doing with the economy. Um, and the best way to win gems in um, in. Uh, magic arena is to go in it like you're going professional and try to win in drafts otherwise you have to spend real life money to get that's 
That's one thing that I've seen a lot of people complain about that I actually like, is that you can spend gold to get into a draft, but what you win is the premium currency, the real world currency, which is the gems. And I think that's actually kind of cool because the, that way you can slowly build up those gems while you're also earning gold on the side. You never have to spend real money. The problem is it all comes way, way too slow right now. You can't, like, if we just wanted to stream all day magic, by if we started at 10 o'clock, by about 12 o'clock, we would be done for the week. Like, we wouldn't be able to earn anything else until one quest came up the next day. And that's stupid. If we wanted to stream Eternal all day, and we started at 10 a.m., probably by 4 a.m., if we started with nothing, we'd be doing a draft. And then we'd, if we did well in that draft, we'd just do another draft. If not, then we'd be able to go back and play a little bit to make up the rest of the gold and go do another one. And so there, there's a big difference in the economies in the two. Um, and then there's also a third confusing piece to Magic Arena, which is... Maybe you can explain exactly how it works, because I kind of get it. The vault. I have no clue how that works. Nothing okay. has been explained. Apparently, my progress is 87%, and my vault contains one mythic rare wild card, two rare wild cards, and three uncommon wild cards. Unlock the vault by opening packs and collecting cards. Right, so... I don't understand If you have four of the cards already... It turns into a gray card, which then goes into your vault, which then gives you progress towards unlocking the vault. But I don't know how much progress I'm getting based on the rarity or what the card is. So who knows? I'm a, I've opened two vaults so far. One was before they did the wild card. Ori- originally, you just got random cards, which was like a kick in the balls. Um, because the first one I got, it was just a whole bunch of crap. And then... They switched it over to the wild card ones, and I've opened up one of the ones with wild cards, and I'm at like 70% or 80% or something towards opening up another one, which will give me a lot of wild cards. So, but the problem is one wild card for Mythic, whenever really a deck, Magic relies on Mythics. Magic is a Mythic game now. Um, argue all you want with me, but once Mythics were introduced, everybody's like, no, 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 these will just be additional fun cards. No. Mythics are what make or break your deck. They are the backbone of your deck at this point because that's how the game works. That's how magic went because if I were to let you just win with a common deck all the time and make common cards really powerful and mythics not real powerful, you're not going to buy as many boxes of my product as I need you to so that I can make my shareholders happy. And that's one of the problems with magic and with restricting mythics so much and making them so hard to get an arena is you need mythics to make a powerful deck because other people are playing a lot of mythics and you can win with a common deck, but they are in, in the June 7th update. They also said they're going to do some tests with singleton, which then mythics don't matter as much because you only get one of each card. Um, and what other things are they doing in that update? Um, I don't remember what all they talked about. They're going to be putting in Kaladesh. They are going to be giving out a bunch of packs to everyone for free. And yeah. everyone is going to get one free copy of every card in the set. Is it every card or is it... I thought there were like 15 cards that were giving you one of each. Is I, it every I card? I think it was every card. They're supposed. You're supposed to get one free copy of every card. Oh, that's cool. Okay. Yeah. Well, that, also, question. Um, have you done Quick Constructed in Magic Arena yet? Mm-hmm. Okay. If, if say, you get like five wins, do you get all the rewards from zero up to five wins or do you just get the five win reward 
you get the uh, five win reward. And I've done a ton of drafts and quite a few quick constructed, and it tells you that you have a chance to win uh, one or two extra packs. Never won an extra pack, so it's a very low rate. Okay, because I was just looking at it, and I if you got a zero win, a one win, a two win, a three win, a four win, a five win, a six win, and a seven win, that only totals to 3,900 3, gold, and it still costs 5,000 to get into a draft. So, Wait, we, is it not gems that you get for it? No, quick constructed is gold only, drafts is gems only. But to get into quick constructed is 500 gold. Oh, quick, quick constructed. Yeah, no, I think you just get whatever random cards. you're at. Yeah, so wh- how much do you get for the seven? Seven wins, wins. is 1,000 gold and three cards. Yeah, so you double, you double your gold. Right, and it's five hundred dinner. Yeah. yeah, so you would need to seven. You would need to get seven wins five, like ten, ten times. times. Ten times to draft. Yeah, and that's if you're gaining it in a row. Because if you lose, yeah, then you're not doubling your your gold. Your, I think you can get what was it fifty gold back. No, if if you don't win any, you get. 100 gold and three cards so you lose out on 400 gold right but luckily that is the equivalent to like a daily quest where it's like kill 15 of your opponent's creatures for 500 gold or cast 20 white or black spells for 500 gold so right so the economy is a mess in magic arena right now it's confusing it's it's not friendly to playing a lot um but again, Magic Arena is still kind of newish, so hopefully that stuff will be worked out. They've been doing a very, very good job of listening to the community feedback, so hopefully we'll start to see some changes. Um, but I will tell you, if you're going to play one of the two, if you want to sit down and start learning a card game and play and getting on the card game train, and you're not tied to Magic because you started playing it 25 years ago or 30 years ago or whatever it was, 1993, so 20 maths ago um give eternal a shot it's i'll stream the deck or make a youtube video of the deck that that i built whenever it came out and i've i still mess with it occasionally and and i'm just gonna give you a quick breakdown of how the deck works a very very short story about how it works it's very very fun the i mentioned the one card that every time you draw a power card it gets echo so you get two of them and then there is a um, a creature, he's a zero zero, but his power and toughness is equal to the amount of power that you have. And so you play him, he costs seven mana, three green and three white, which is time and uh, justice. Um, you play him, and whenever you draw a power card, it has destiny, which if you remember, that means it goes directly into play and you draw another card. So, what happens is you draw one card, and holy crap, you drew, you know, you have those two cards out, and yahoo, you drew a power card. And now it becomes two power cards, and they both have destiny, they both go directly into play. Now your 7-7 is a 9-9, and you're drawing two cards. And let's say that you draw one card and one power card. Well, that one power card splits, those both go into play, 
And so you drew your one card from the first one, and now you're drawing three cards um, because you still have the power card from that one plus the two more. And then let's say you draw two power cards. Those both split. They both go into play. So now you're drawing four cards on top of that. And it just steamrolls because out of those four cards, one of them would be a power card without the decks built. And I've had it on like turn six, turn five or turn six. I've been able to make this go off and out of my 75 cards, which you're at, you know, around 65 or so, 60 cards at that point, I've been able to get it down to where I was like four or five cards left. And at that point, the, the, the other thing, the other big difference between magic and eternal is with magic, you can have out 10 trillion creatures. doesn't matter. You can have out infinite creatures with eternal. You can have out 12 creatures total. So, and you can only have, I think it's 10 cards in your hand, and then the other ones disappear. So you want to empty your hand before you start this combo. But I've been able to get through my whole deck of just stuff coming in and just going crazy and get down to, you know, like five or six cards. A lot of cards got burned in the way. But then my deck is just... I've, I've played around with another card that anytime you draw a time creature, it, complete, it, it gets destiny as well. Um, so then time creatures are going into play and you're drawing even more cards and it gets silly. And so there's, it, it's a really cool combo that if I told you that this was a magic combo, you'd be like, oh, cool. And then you play this card and you win the game. It's not how this works. They have plenty of safety valves in Eternal that even whenever I do all this, I, I probably will still not win that turn. I probably have to survive my opponent's turn and win the next turn because I've set up the board. I have everything I need in my hand. You know, my creature's like a 40-40 at this point the next turn I'll be able to kill him. But, you know, without me taking a little bit of the focus off the deck and adding something that gives them charge, which which lets them attack immediately, I don't have a way to get through and kill them right there on the spot. There's, there's some different ways I'm playing with it, and there's some ways that it could work. But to keep it tight, it has to run very specific cards in a very tight ball. And once you start adding in different ideas, it starts screwing up the likelihood of your combo going off. And so that's one of the fun things about Eternals. You see these crazy combos going on. A lot of people people use the revenge mechanic to make this this one card, his revenge never ends. So he always has revenge even after the destiny triggers. And they use that to completely make crazy combos go off. And every time you draw him, he has Echo. And so now you're getting two of them and then four of them and six of them and eight of them and whatever. And you just fill your board with a whole bunch of 5-5 five, five flyers that are very tough to kill. But again, I can play a six mana card that erases all text off of all the cards that are in play and it completely kills his combo. So there's a lot of safety valves in Eternal that fit into any deck because of how their threshold system works with their mana. And if you're going to play one of the two, jump on Eternal. Um, you know, get a hold of us, and if you want to play with us, we'll start playing some multiplayer with you on stream or on YouTube videos. We'll teach you how to play the game. I've been playing it for a long time. I I never go up real high in rankings because I draft more than anything on it. Um, but I generally will get my one win a day at least, and I may play some more. Um, but the other advantage is Eternal is also on your smartphone right now, and Magic Arena is not yet. Once Magic Arena is on smartphones, I may play that a little bit more too. But... You know, if I'm out at a restaurant and 
we're sitting around and everybody's playing on their phone, I can load up Eternal and play a game of Eternal right there. Um, and it works perfectly. So it's it's a fantastic game that's definitely worth giving a shot. And that is the end of our podcast report as far as I'm concerned. Chris, what do you, from my side. So what do you have, Chris? Um, Yeah, just give Eternal a try. I'm brand new to it. I just started playing today for about an hour and a half, just getting the basics in. Um, one thing Eternal does have, which is really good, is uh, a story campaign, which teaches brand new players how to play, kind of. Throwing them in and put, pinning them against AI with uh, what seems to be scripted events. So yep. it's it's a really good way to like learn. But uh, yeah, Magic Arena doesn't have that if you're like a new player or anything like that. And and that reminds me, there's there's one other thing with Eternal. Um, they have these expansion packs that you can buy that are story expansions that you can unlock new cards. And occasionally, one of the cool things Eternal does as well is, before I talk about the story, is if there's a particular deck that's going crazy, they'll just do an update to the card to fix it. Or they'll release a hoser that you get one each day for your first one of the game. And then all of a sudden, now there's a card that fixes the unbalanced uh meta that's going on but most of the time whenever things get crazy they just go in and they have the ability to change what that card does the 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 card i talked about earlier that whenever you play a five cost creature it comes back from your graveyard they changed a few things on that card so that you had to be a little bit more dedicated to that color which then made a lot of decks harder to play and so they're able to fix meta issues like that but Back to the story, they release these story expansions that give you cards as well. Tells you more of the story of what's going on. And they've been very good at slowly rolling out the story. And where Magic focuses on the the Oathwatch, the Planeswalkers, as their Mickey Mouse, um, as their main characters that people attach to. You know, you, you have Jace and, Chan, and uh, Chandra and uh, Gideon and all those characters. Eternal has done very well with creating legendary characters that you attach to as well like roland and uh and oh i just went blank on his name i was gonna say zach it's not zach um oh, he's the bounty hunter why did i just go blank on his name oh bounty hunter from eternal uh jack i knew i was close jack so they have all these different characters, and, and one of the story expansions was the story of Jack the Bounty Hunter and um, kind of what he goes through that turns him into who he is. And it's very, very cool because you start to learn who these characters are, and the stories are actually pretty well done. I mean, you know, they're not going to make a movie out of it, but it's a very entertaining, fun story to get to see these characters in the real in the real story of what they're actually doing and what their motivations are and why they work the way they do. Uh, Akari is another one that was a big part of Jack's story. And then whenever you're playing with the different versions of Akari's card, you all of a sudden understand why there's two different versions of that card because this happened. So now that happened. Um, and you know, this dragon, he, you know, why does this happen? Why, why does this card have a piece of this dragon? And all of a sudden, once you start looking into the lore and playing through the stories and stuff, all of a sudden you go, oh, 
this is how these two characters are connected. And there's a lot of connection between a bunch of the different characters, which makes the game very entertaining for somebody like me, who's always been really interested in magic story, but the thing's impossible to follow. Um, but with, with Eternal, they've been very good at slowly rolling it out and keeping the mystery alive and giving you little hints of what's going on and introducing one character at a time. So there's, there's plenty of single-player content to play in Eternal as well if you, don't, if you can't get online and, and play against somebody else for a while. You can, you can sit there and go through stories and stuff like that. It's a lot of fun. So that is, uh, that is the big two. And, and I know that we shit all over Magic Arena. I will say it's still very early on for Magic Arena. I think that it could be a very good game. I just think that between the two, with one being a digital-only game and one having to also be a real-world game, cardboard game, there's more design space if you're going to be playing at the computer for Eternal. So give Eternal a shot. It's completely free to start. You don't have to play anything to do it. And sign up for the Magic Arena uh, beta and see what you think of that. Maybe you'll really enjoy that. Maybe you just love the control aspect of magic and, you know, getting locked out of games and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, that's fine. I, I sometimes love doing that too, but eternal has really just taken over for me. It's my go-to game. So, um, check them both out. Let us know. We're going to do a review fairly soon. Uh, the fourth set for eternal is coming out soon. Uh, if you go to eternal's Reddit page, you'll start to see some of the hints. They, they revealed uh, Berserk, which is one of the new keywords, but we don't know what it does yet. Um, so a new set's coming out with new stuff going on with it fairly soon. So once that sets out and I've had a little bit of time to play with it, uh, we'll have a review going on. And uh, you can... This will be attached to it, I'm sure, because I, I broke down the game. I basically explained the game completely in this. Um so this is a little bit of a weird podcast, but I've been wanting to talk about Eternal for a long time, and now that they have a competitor that's very similar. I felt this was the right time to talk about it, and and Chris is starting to get into Eternal, so I figured this would be a great way to also answer some of his questions that he doesn't know to ask yet. So, um, But you'll probably see me and Chris doing some streaming of Eternal and Magic and all kinds of stuff here on the Twitch channel very soon, as well as some YouTube stuff, because YouTube's coming, baby. It's coming. Yeah, I got a, I got one video up on the YouTube channel so far, and I got a couple plans for a few more. So, should be good. Yeah. So, we have... Uh, we're going to get through the summer, through the World Cup, because I'm, I'm a zombie during World Cup time. I'm on the couch watching every single game I can. It's nine hours of soccer a day for a month, basically. Um... And I don't miss them. And so uh, so we're going to take a little bit of a break, get some work done on the back end so that we can bring back the podcasts uh, all at the same time. So they're all lined up. And we have, uh, we're, we're going to do a few things to hopefully increase the quality of them, things like that. And we'll, uh, we'll be back at that point. But we still have a couple more to go. We're going to talk about the World Cup. And the World Cup update on Gaming Astoria. I think Andy and Taylor and I are going to do that one fairly soon because the the uh, World Cup update went in on FIFA 18 on the 28th or 29th or something like that. Um, and it's got two different World Cup modes. We may even talk about uh, 
We're going to talk about the World Cup at that point, but we may actually run simulations and see who's going to win and see who is right and stuff like that. So that'll be a fun podcast. We're going to talk about E3, of course, because there's a lot of E3 stuff that we're going to want to hit. A lot of stuff is starting to leak out. So we'll have plenty to cover there. And that's the plans for the rest of this month. And then, like I said, July, we'll do some best subs. There may be a besieged one that comes out because those will be a little bit more time sensitive sometimes if... uh, if there's a big patch update or something like that and Rio and Chris need to drop the knowledge like it's hot, then we'll get that out in time. But for the most part, you're not going to get anything new in July. And then in August, we're going to come out swinging like mothers. So it's going to be good stuff. But uh, that's all I got to say about these fun digital card games. Anything anything else you wanted to throw in? Nah, no, nah, I'm good. All right, well... Catch us on Twitch, Gaming Historia TV. Catch us on Twitter at Gaming underscore Historia. Contact at GamingHistoria.com, GamingHistoria.com, Facebook, Gaming Historia, um, YouTube, just search for Gaming Historia, and you can find our whole video that's up there right now, but there will be more coming soon. So, um, But yeah, start, start hitting us on Twitch because we're going to be able to with my daughter out for the summer, it may be a noisy stream with a bunch of daddy daddies in the background, but you'll still get to see some good streaming going on because we're going to stream all kinds of stuff. And I I don't know how tired Chris is, but we may try to do some raft tonight and get ready to start doing some raft a little bit more this weekend and next week because it seems really cool and it's a fun co-op game. So um, keep an eye on Twitch. All kinds of stuff coming up on there. So... I guess that is it. So for Mr. Chris Hepburn and myself, thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe, review, follow us on all the different things that you can follow us on. The biggest thing is subscribe and review. Also stay tuned to Gaming Astoria because we have a, a couple of big giveaways coming up here very soon. So check in on that. So I want to thank Chris for jumping in last minute for this one. You're and, very welcome. Uh, I guess we will talk at you guys next week. Have a good one. Bye.